Welcome to the Drawscast Podcast. Inspiration, motivation, and leadership with an attitude. And now, coming to you live from the palatial Drawscast Studios and streaming worldwide, ladies and gentlemen, Draws. Okay, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Drawscast Podcast. As our booming new intro announcer said, we are streaming worldwide on your favorite podcast platform. On to our guest for this evening. This is a special guest because he's a little bit different than most of the guests that I've had on so far. His name is Aaron Primo. He is a director of training for one of the largest franchises in the United States. And what makes him so unique is he's kind of a wonderkin. He's a young guy who's been working hard, started out in restaurants, and has worked his way up in a very short amount of time. Aaron Primo, welcome to the Drawscast. Thank you very much for having me, Jeff. I'm a big fan of the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, Any listener is a good listener. (laughs) Good or bad. So uh, how are you this evening? I'm doing very good. Thank you. How about yourself? Good, good. How is the weather? Uh, Where are you at right now? What uh, state are you in? I'm in Michigan. So we had some snow over the weekend, uh, which turned into some rain. So the snow is gone, but it's still a little bit chilly here. But we've had a pretty mild winter, so everything is A-OK with me. Good, good. All right. So um, just as a kind of a side note uh, before we get into the nuts and bolts, uh, are you much of a traveler? I mean, during this time of year when it's cold, do you get to go out to warmer climates? Actually, tomorrow I will be going to Florida for a conference uh, with some of our trainers in the company field. So I do get to go to Florida. I was in California two weeks ago. Um, so I, I do make my way to some warm weather here during the winter time. So uh, Arizona, Texas. Uh, so oh. I'm not I'm not in Michigan all the winter, which is nice. Yes. So uh, jealous I am. Yes, indeed. Uh, I w- won't be getting to warmer climates for a while yet. But uh, before we get on to your professional accomplishments, accomplishments, Aaron. Uh, Just kind of give us a little background, where you're from, the kind of things that you like to do when you were growing up, what city are you from in Michigan, things like that. Okay, yeah. So I'm from Canton, Michigan, which is 20 minutes west of Detroit. I am born and raised there. I have a five-year-old daughter who lost her first tooth, so that was very exciting for us uh, to have her lose her first tooth. That's a, that's a great thing to lead off with, Aaron. Well done. Yeah. So she lost her tooth, and then um, you know I have two brothers, one older, one younger. Uh, my mom raised me, taught me pretty much everything I know about anything that I know. I've worked for the same company since I was 16 years old. So it was my first job. I learned a lot along the way, both good and bad, on, as far as leadership is concerned. But in my opinion, the best way to learn is through those hard times as well as those good times. So it was good for me to experience both sides of it. Uh, growing up, I like to play a lot of sports. I'm a big sports fan. 
some would say, too big of a sports fan. Uh, we played any sport, you name it. I uh, was even on a dodgeball team for four years of my life where we, uh, me and my buddies got together and we would play at this uh, high-velocity sports in Canton, Michigan. And we battle people back and forth playing dodgeball, got hit a couple times in the face. Uh, but it was, a, it was a good time overall. So uh, growing up, that was really what I was into was just hanging out with my friends, playing sports, uh, and really just uh, working at the company I still work for. Yeah, so it wasn't you who reached out to this company. Uh, it's, a, it's a pizza restaurant, just to be a little bit more specific. But uh, I think based on some research that I've done, it was your brother who actually pulled you into, uh, into the pizza world. Yeah, so my mother, when I turned 16, I got my car and my license, and she told me I needed to go get a job. So I was very nervous to go ask for applications, and I had my younger brother with me, so we were driving around, and I would go to QSR restaurant after QSR restaurant, and he would walk inside, he would get the application for me, and then he'd bring it back to the car. I believe I gave him some kind of reward for this, but I'm not quite sure. He says I didn't, but I thought I gave him something in, in return. Uh, so I applied at this job. I turned in the application, and the store manager at the time was at the front counter, and I had my nicest collared shirt on, and he asked me if I was the person that was on the application. I told him yes. He told me I'd have an interview on a Thursday at 6 o'clock. I walked in. He told me that I would get the job based on how I dressed and uh, how I how I spoke. And then next thing you know, I was hired in uh, for my first job and my only job. So how many years ago was that now? Uh, that was 15 years ago. So Yeah, I thought it was right in that ballpark. Even as little as 15 years ago, this whole idea of online hiring really wasn't a big thing yet. You still had to go door to door and fill out application, didn't you? Yes, sir. I was door to door filling out applications. And really, it didn't get into a couple of years into my career until we started seeing stuff online and scanning barcodes and things like that for you to start applying for jobs. It was really, you walk in, ask for a paper application, fill it out, and you really get that face-to-face, -face, which in my opinion, is a lot easier to hire people instead of going through off of somebody's resume or information off the internet where you don't have that personal one-on-one -on -one ask you why you're interested in working for this company type relationship. Yeah, just about that time where you got hired, that was when this crazy thing called monster.com came up. And uh, that was the place to, to find people online. And really, it was the only place to find people online, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So you literally started out first job and swept and mopped floors and washed dishes and kind of worked your way up from there. Is, is that about right? Yeah. So it was, like I said, my very first job, uh, my first day on the job. I know I tell this story all the time when I'm teaching classes, but it was a real impactful first impression and they always say you never get a second chance to make a first impression and just the way that my boss treated every new employee to make them feel comfortable you know taught me so much uh, later on in my career that I, I had no idea what I was learning at that moment but then when I got into a position of store manager that really taught me something 
about making a first impression and making it a fun place to work where people want to come into your business and work for you instead of trying to call off. So I started off, you know, working four hours, eight hours, washing dishes. Um, and then my manager got transferred to another location where we then got a new manager who said that I smile. I had a nice smile and I was nice to people. So she put me on the front counter where for two years I was uh, on the front counter where I, cre- I got created a nickname called the little front counter boy. And I could not do anything else in the store but front counter, which then made me pretty frustrated because there's no career program for somebody to just work the front counter. So I couldn't, I couldn't land any pizzas or make any pizzas. It was, ah, 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 where's my little front counter boy going? So I got another job at Kmart, actually. And luckily for me, now that Kmart is no longer in business, I didn't take that job. But uh, my manager asked me, you know, why I'm leaving. And I told her that I was only on front counter. So the next thing you know, I started to develop and be cross-trained and start really loving the company I was working for, uh, which then got me to be promoted to an assistant co-manager and then to a training store manager where I trained uh, franchisees and international trainees. Uh, And then I became a member of a team called uh, Peak Performance Team where I audited stores, both company and franchise, and then became a trainer for national training. And then now in my current role for the last two years, been the director of training. So that peak performance uh, job that you had mentioned, was that a travel job or was that just a local thing? Yeah, that was a travel across the country. Uh, So I was all over the map going from state to state, uh, reviewing procedures and standards with the stores, giving them a score. Uh, giving them some follow-up notes and follow-up tools for them to improve their operation. Uh, So, yeah, I I went uh, all around the world for that. And you can really tell, too, the importance of consistency in anything, that any any kind of restaurant or anything like that. So no matter what communication or what ethnicity that you may be, um, it's all about that consistency and making sure you're doing everything the exact same way so that way, a customer from Michigan goes to a cut uh, into a Texas store. They're getting that same experience that they would in that Michigan store. So it just really shows how important the training piece is because, you know, no matter where your background is from, you need to make sure that you're training the exact same way. So you have that consistency with all your customers. Uh, so that way they, they'll come back because that's the number one reason they choose a chain restaurant. Exactly. And that leads to my point, And that is because of the travels that I've had, I've learned that lesson very, very quickly. And, and I continue when I travel to go to chain restaurants because I know what to expect. As an example, uh, I am a big Subway person and I am a big Starbucks person. Why? Because those really are two of the most consistent restaurants, and it doesn't matter where I go. And over this past summer, I had a chance to go up to Canada for a long stretch of time. And even in Canada, Subway, Starbucks, very consistent. So there's a level of comfort, I think, that customers have when they go to a chain restaurant because they know what to expect. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Well, good. So let's fast forward a little bit. You worked in the restaurant. You worked your way up. And you got into this peak performance position where you got to travel and you got to see all different kind of ways that uh, people live and, and restaurants, uh, you know, all over the country. Uh, and then you got into your director position. To date, Aaron Primo, what is the biggest lesson that you've learned in your current job? Oh, man, I've learned a lot of lessons in my current job. But to date, uh, the impact you can make on somebody is something that I will always now learn as that lesson. Uh, really taking the time to believe in somebody, uh, even if they don't believe in themselves. You know, it takes that one person to really put their time and energy into you that could really grow that person into the next superstar. And I feel because of the fact that I had somebody to believe in me is the reason why I'm in the position I'm in. And it's just taking the time and energy. I know, I know with my position, I have a lot going on. But if I lose sight of the importance of delegating and the importance of developing, really you start losing the people side of it. And, and I can't do this job without the people that report underneath me or the people that are in the training department. So really taking the time to tell them how much they're appreciated and, and develop them and, and understand where they want to go and where their career goals are and help them achieve that, I think is the biggest learning I've ever had in any part of my life, especially in this career and this job that I'm currently in right now. Influence in the leadership position, right? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, you've got to take, uh, especially when you're dealing with younger people, maybe it's their first job, it's their second job, maybe they just haven't had a lot of good experiences in the work world, and people will be so much more willing to stay at a job uh, a lot longer simply because the manager or the person in charge, the leader, takes a role in their development. And I think the, the biggest thing that you learn is people don't care about how much you know until they know how much you care. And in today's world with so many different job opportunities and different places that people can use their talents, you know, the more you show that you care about them and actually take the time to get to know them, on a personal level, I think the more they're going to want to run through that wall for you and be there for you whenever you need them to. And you start seeing that. And, and when you take that time, it comes back tenfold for you. And, and they really will go above and beyond. If you show them that you care about them and you want to develop them and you want to grow them into whatever they want to be. And you're going to have some people that you, you work for that are comfortable where they're at. But there's a lot of people that want more. They want that next director position. They want that next zone vice president position. And if you can help them along that way, it's so rewarding for not only them, but the one that's getting promoted. But it's also rewarding for you. You know, coming from the stores, I still talk to people that I helped along their career. Um, going from a crew member to a manager, they may not work for, for the company I work for anymore, but they're still learning and the things that I've taught them or helped them. They're still calling me, asking me for questions or telling me about their new promotion they got. And it's one of the greatest feelings in the world for me to be able to know that I was a part of their growth and development to where they wanted to be in life. 
it doesn't matter now that I've been doing these interviews and I've had a chance to travel and to talk to managers and executives and people in leadership all over the country, they really go back to the same thing. And it's exactly what you're saying. And it's the more effort, the more time as a leader you put into the development of your people, the more that you get back. And there's a certain term for that, Aaron, and I believe it's called being a servant leader. <laughs> and not to selfishly plug myself here, but I, I do have a keynote called Wash Your Damn Dishes and Other Lessons Learned on the Power of Servant Leadership. That takes what you're saying to another level, and that really is being the example setter for the people that work for you. Uh, and it sounds like you did quite a bit of that, especially as you were developing your, your younger employees. Yeah, and I, and I think, too, a big thing that I learned is the power of the feedback that you receive. Because a young, a young Aaron, when I got feedback, it was I took it very negatively. I got angry about it. I argued about it. And it took uh, one of my mentors to give me an evaluation where I scored myself fours and fives because coming from where I, I was in the stores, you know, I always received high scores. And then when I had my evaluation with him, I scored myself fours and fives. He gives me ones and twos. And then he explained to me why he scored me the way he did. And then I realized that if I don't know what my issues are or what my areas of opportunities are, I can't grow. And that's where that, if you don't know, you can't grow comes from is really taking the feedback and, and for the mindset of, I'm still taking feedback to this day of, of what do I need to improve? Where can I excel at? Where can I learn to grow from and, and focus on those areas of opportunities so that way I can get better every day? And I think one of the things that I learned in this position is the, the way I handle feedback really teaching the people that I'm mentoring or the people I'm trying to develop on how to handle feedback, because it is a big challenge in this world because you, your first instinct, you want to argue with them about it, but really look at yourself in the mirror and say, if this is how I'm being perceived, or if this is what somebody is telling me, they're telling me because they want to see me develop and grow and not take it personally, but take it professionally and really use that information to, you know, do nothing but gain from it is, is a, a huge thing for me as well in this position that I have learned. Yeah, that's a big growth opportunity there when you start looking at people being critical of your performance ultimately being a positive thing because they want you to get better. And it's how you go about it many times too. It, you know, yellers and screamers are, are – even though they may care, uh, they're not going to get their point across. They're not going to be their their message is not going to be well received if it comes from a negative place. Just to give people uh, an idea of the scope of how many stores that you have an opportunity to influence. Uh, not asking for an exact amount, but uh, are we talking hundreds of stores that you have uh, influence over? Are we talking thousands of stores? What are we talking about here? 
Uh, we're talking hundreds and thousands of stores uh, that I have an opportunity to impact every day in my career. Yeah, yeah, because we talked about how big the company that you work for is, and, and it is a national and really an international company now. So, um, but but the influence that you have domestically is. It's pretty amazing. It's a big responsibility for somebody who started when they were 16 and they've been working for the same company for 15 years. Outside of the company that you work for, knowing you a little bit, who are your big influences? Who are my big influences? So my biggest influences, uh, number one has to be my mother, uh, really taught me the power of a smile uh, never let them see you sweat, you know, no matter what she was going through. She, my brothers and I had no idea any of the issues or things that she was going through, whether it's work or relationship related. Uh, she's been the biggest influence in my life uh, to this day. Uh, of course, my five-year-old daughter has been a big influence on me, really challenged me to grow and to change who I was uh, before I had her. Um, and then having her, again, biggest blessing I've ever had, but really influenced me to always show her the, uh, show her the good in life, always show her um, that hard work, effort, energy you put in will pay off. Um, and then, you know, my beautiful girlfriend is a huge influence for me, you know, challenging me every day, uh, always trying to make sure that I'm doing the right thing. You know, whether it's work-related or, you know, being a father, she's always challenging me to be better. So she's been a huge influence in my life as well. Um, so I, I appreciate those three definitely uh, in my life as influences and, and really has, you know, molded me to the, the man I am today. I have influences that have molded me throughout the years as an example, especially as I've gotten to research other companies and other people who are leaders. I love the style of Richard Branson, the the uh, entrepreneur who started the Virgin brand. So Virgin Records and then Virgin Airlines. And he has started and ran so many more companies besides those two, but those are the biggest two. Um, so is there somebody that you kind of look out into the world from a professional standpoint and say, uh, wow, I really look at that person for, for who they are and really look at them as an inspiration? Yes, I would say one of the biggest people that I have begun to really you know, invest my time in reading and following up on is John Gordon. Uh, I'm currently reading his book, No Complaining Rule, which really goes to the message of finding the good in every situation and be thankful for the situation that you're in every day. Uh, not looking at, oh, I have to go to work, but no, instead it's, it's, I'm so thankful that I have a job and really taking some of the things that I've learned from the books that I've read of his and then implementing them in my daily use, as well as, uh, you know, giving these books to the people that report to me for their the development. And hopefully they can get some of these golden nuggets out of the book as well that I did. Um, so John Gordon is somebody I definitely would say 
um, has been a big uh, motivator for me or big inspiration to me as far as how I see his leadership style. And then really, to be honest with you, I, I learned that you can't you can't change who you are. As much as I'd like to be John Gordon, I will never be John Gordon. And if I try to be John Gordon, it's going to be very obvious that I'm trying to be somebody different. You really, as a leader, have to be yourself. Uh, now, that's not to say that I can't take these things that I'm learning and try to implement them in my life. But you have to be authentic with your people. And if you're trying to change your entire self, eventually your real self will come out. So I think the biggest thing, too, is I'm learning a lot and I, I'm inspired by John Gordon, but I'm trying not to just be John Gordon. I'm trying to be the Aaron Primo of the John Gordons, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it's being the best version of yourself, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's ex that's the way I look at it, too. Do you find that reading has helped you develop as a leader and as a professional? Sounds like you do some reading. Yeah, absolutely. And I honestly, I read in high school for books that were told that I had to read. And I never really enjoyed reading books until I got put into a position in the corporate office. And my mentor at the time gave me a book to read about uh, leadership. And I felt like it was breathtaking, this book that I was reading. Every, I was just soaking up all the information and loving it. And I was writing down all these notes from the book and all these things I wanted to change about my life. I started ordering all these other types of books and really just started to love reading and love um, learning new things. And, and I really had a passion for it. Uh, I learned highlighting through books so that way I can read the book over again, but only read the uh, the parts that I highlighted that were really impactful to me to kind of give me a, a, a refresher on the things that I felt were powerful it was a huge trick for me. But I also learned that when I'm reading, you're going to find probably, I don't know, 70 things that you're like, this is this would be perfect if I implemented in my life. This would be so great to do. And then all of a sudden you start realizing when you have 70 things that you're trying to change, you're not changing anything. So my advice is when you're reading these things, take one, two, three pieces of information or things that you think are, are good informational pieces for you to use in your daily life and try to work on those three things. So that way you are making those improvements for your development and for yourself. Because when you're focusing on 70 things, you're never going to change anything. If you focus on those one to three goals to change about yourself, that's when you start making those impacts and you start seeing that change that you're trying to make in your life. So I, that's something that I learned along the way as well is never try to change everything in one day. And you're also going to go through those bumps and those hurdles along the way where when you're making those changes, you may slip up along the way. You just got to get back up and keep on climbing, uh, really, because you're going to make the mistakes. You're going to have people say you can't do it, and you can go off the trail or you can stay on the trail and you can finish what you want and to make those improvements in your life. So I learned a lot about reading. I learned a lot from reading. And you don't have to lead to read, but you have to read 
to lead. Totally agree. And that's a, that was going to be my next point is I have learned and things have stuck with me much more since I have been reading more, especially learning about leadership and, and things along those lines. But along the way, I've also learned that CEOs and executives of companies are crazy readers, and they read five to ten books a month. So they are always trying to learn. They're always trying to keep a sharp edge in their mind and taking in information, and I'm sure they're using what they learn from reading along the way as well. So, yeah, so that's really good. Good stuff. What's your goals? You are, have moved up the uh, corporate ladder, so to speak, pretty quickly. Uh, but you sound like somebody who has a, a focus in mind or a goal in mind to, to reach. And what is that currently? Well, goals for me, really, my number one goal is to accomplish the goals that I set up for this year in 2020 uh, with my team. Uh, with my department. Uh, so my major focus is, you know, getting the materials that we need to get out to the stores, uh, really improving some of the development needs in our department, growing some of the people and the future leaders of our department and with development, uh, refining my replacement because, you know, if I want to move up, I need to make sure that I have somebody there that can take my position uh, and just focus on, what got me here, and, and my, the biggest thing that got me here was not forgetting where I came from, which was the stores. So always reminding myself of, you know, what would I do if I was a uh, store manager? What is the need for me to make my life easier? Uh, because without the stores, we don't have a training department. So the biggest thing for me is I, the goals that we have set up uh, that my team and I have put out there are really going to impact operations. And that's, that's the end goal right now is to make an impact, make a dent in simplifying the operations and making it easier for people in the stores. So, you know, I'm, I'm a thinker as far as uh, my one-year goal. Uh, I did an exercise called backcasting where you put out what your goal is for a year. So you start with January 1. 2020, where do I want to be January 1, 2021? And then you backcast from there. So what does it look like? What, is, what needs to take place 11 months from now, 10 months from now, nine months from now, and really set up those goals and then be able to hold yourself accountable to those dates. So if we're hitting these, the end result is we're going to make everyone's lives simpler, easier, and happier. And that's really the goal for 2020. And, uh, Beyond that, you know, who knows where the world will take me, but I'm enjoying the journey that I'm on, and uh, I'm looking forward to see what the future holds. So it sounds like you're just taking a year at a time, and probably toward the end of, of this year, you're going to start thinking about your goals for next year. Does that sound about right? Yes, sir. That is correct. Okay. So let me put it, this question to you this way. What's your... What's your dream job? What can you or what what out in the future? Is there something you'd say, boy, I'd really love to do that? Boy. That's a that, let me say that's attainable. 
because if you tell me right now that you want to be a pitcher in Major League Baseball, I think that time's come and gone. Um, you never but, know. You never know, Jeff. <laughs> but uh, I think that, you know, you probably have some kind of realistic dream out there. And do you have one? And if so, what is it? I uh, yeah I I do have one. Um, eventually, what I would like to do is uh, to run a market for um, our company market uh, at my brand. Um, so that would be back in operations, closer to operations than I currently am, um, and overseeing you know fifty, sixty plus stores would be my my main goal because you know the impact that you can make working hand in hand with the people. Um, in the field uh, would be something that I'm very interested in. So that would be my uh, next challenge to take on. Well, having spoken to you on several different occasions, I think that those goals are definitely attainable for you, Aaron Primo. Well, thank you very much, Chad. You're, you're very welcome. So let's turn our attention away from leadership and our our professions and i'm gonna do what i like to call the speed round i'm gonna ask you five different things that have nothing to do with work and i just want to get some feedback from you just to give people an idea of what kind of person aaron primo is outside of his professional time Sound good? Yes, sir. I'm ready for it. I'm nervous, but I'm ready for it. Aaron, what is your favorite food? My favorite food would have to be spicy nacho Doritos. Uh, it is my absolute favorite. Uh, I wish <laughs> I wish I could just buy the spicy nacho dust that they put on the Doritos, but that would definitely be my number one favorite food uh, to date. Many of us have more than one thing on our bucket list. So is there something else on that bucket list that you'd like to do? Something else on that bucket list. I, you know, I would really like to go see all of the baseball stadiums across the country. Uh, I, I grew up watching baseball, still love the game. Uh, so something that I would love to do is go visit all the stadiums and take pictures of myself at the stadium. Try to get on the Jumbotron. Uh, to be able to see myself on there. I just saw an NBA basketball fan was able to go to all the arenas and they were able to make it onto the big screen at every single one in 30-something days. So that would be something that I'd be very interested in doing, as well as I, I love to play golf. So I would love to play at the Masters. Uh, beautiful course, um, either that or TPC Sawgrass on that 17th hole, the famous Island Green. Uh, I'm sure that I would lose lots of golf balls, but I would enjoy every minute of playing that uh, course as well. Those are admirable things. Uh, how many Major League Baseball stadiums have you been to? I've been to five Major League Baseball stadiums, so I have a lot to go. So that's something that, you know, when I do start that journey, I know that I got a lot to go, but I'll, I'll enjoy every moment of getting to those stadiums and seeing some great baseball, hopefully. Yeah, so I am a little bit older than you, so there are some stadiums that I've been to that don't exist anymore. 
Uh, as an example, uh, the original Riverfront Stadium in Cincinnati, uh, I've been to, but that doesn't exist anymore. And Three Rivers Stadium in Pittsburgh. But that said, I've been to, oh, and Shea Stadium, too, that doesn't exist anymore. So, uh, but that said, I've been to 10 current Major League Baseball stadiums. I've driven by a lot of them, but I've actually seen games in about 10 of them. Uh, and quite a few minor league parks as well. And it's a very different environment in some of those minor league ballparks. Um, you can tell that the level of play isn't major league. <laughs> uh, but uh, but just the experience is, is really worth going. So if you get a chance uh, in your travels, definitely go see a minor league baseball game as well. All right. Uh, final question, yes or no? Skydive. Yes. One of the big things is I bought my girlfriend tickets to skydive uh, two years ago, and I found every excuse not to go so far um, because, I, I don't know, something about skydiving right now makes me a little nervous, but it's something that, you know, I watched Will Smith do an interview about him going skydiving and the feeling that he got when he, you know, felt that rush of excitement going up into the sky and then jumping and then seeing the whole world, you know, and it, it just excites me to know that I can't be on my phone at that moment. I can't, you know, answer any emails. I'm not in any meetings. It's just me being able to soak in the world that we live in and be able to, to, you know, see the beauty of all the trees and the nature, um, with some man strapped to the back of me. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was actually going to mention that. It probably would be easier if you did exactly that and had somebody attached to you so you could just enjoy it and they can worry about pulling the ripcord and things like that. <laughs> uh, I have wanted to for a lot of years. I just don't know if I want to anymore. <laughs> um, so, that is the rapid fire round of five questions uh before we wrap it up aaron primo i know that you have a couple of nuggets that you'd like to leave our listeners with uh, the floor is yours go right ahead all right i got a i got a couple things i can leave the audience with uh the first one being never underestimate the impact of a smile uh, one of the biggest things that I learned growing up, uh, unfortunately, I lost my best friend's father to, he, he took his life. And one of the things I learned about that whole situation was that it only takes one person to say hello or to smile or to acknowledge that person to really kind of un let them understand that there's somebody in this world. And you, and you never know what somebody's going through and that smile that you give to that person or the hello or the compliment that you give to them could really change their entire day or their entire month or their entire year just by you taking the time to you know acknowledge them for something I, I think that's one of the biggest things is is never underestimate that impact that you can make just by being nice to someone or just by saying hello to somebody and really 
you know, the, the power that you have in somebody's life. You, unfortunately, we don't have a sign that says, I'm going through this or Jeff's going through this. So always treat that person and understand that you don't know what they're going through. So being nice and smiling, it, it goes the longest way. Um, another thing that I'm really working on and for the listeners out there is, is there's always a question that comes out about how do you deal with work-life balance? And one of the things with work-life balance, the best thing that I've, I've learned and that I've started implementing is when you're at work, you have to focus 100% of your time and energy at work. When you're with your family, when you're with your significant other, when you're with your pets, you should be focusing all of your energy um, on those things as well. So when you're at work, it's 100% at work. You're devoted to it. When you're with your family, your family deserves your time. Your family deserves your energy, your efforts. So 100% of your time for when you're with your family should be with your family. And, and then you start seeing the changes of you're not on your phone while your daughter is trying to teach you how to do the latest and greatest dance move and, you know, frustrate her because her dad's always on his phone. You know, so you have to be able to have that work-life balance of, you know, you have a job to do that supports your family, but you also have a family that without them, you know, where would you be in this world? So you want to make sure that you're able to balance those two things out, focus your energy and your time where you're at. And then when you're with your family or you're at work, focus your time and energy on that. And it goes a long way. And I'm still working on that, still trying to reach that goal of being able to balance those things. But I'm getting much better now that I'm focused on knowing I got to be there for my family. I got to be there for work. And that's the best way that I've found so far to be able to handle those things. Um, so those are my two leadership nuggets. Actually, I have a third. Can I give a third, Jeff? Absolutely. Floor's yours. So one of the big things, um, and we've talked about this, is a gentleman by the name of Kobe Bryant passed away. And hundreds and thousands and thousands of tweets came out saying how much they appreciated Kobe Bryant and all that he did for them and their career. And it got me to think about, you know, saying how much you appreciate people now um, before you have to tell people how much you appreciated them while they're gone. And I think about uh, my former boss who passed away and I think about all the things I wish I would have been able to tell him. Uh, as far as the impact he's made on my life. And then I think about the people that are in my inner circle and asking myself, do I tell them how much I appreciate them? You know, if for some reason I'm not here tomorrow, do they realize how much I appreciate all the things that they do for me? I appreciate the conversations. I appreciate their energy. Um, and, and really got me thinking about saying how much with the people that you actually appreciate, how, how you're going about that on the daily. And are you telling people how much you appreciate them? Because you never know what tomorrow brings. And you always want to make sure that everyone who is in your life understands how much you appreciate the things that they do for you, whether it's work, whether it's outside of work, you know, tell the loved ones, tell the people that you um, care about how much they mean to you now. And don't be afraid to do it. I think one of the biggest things that I always thought was, you know, I'm afraid to tell somebody that works with me how much I appreciate them. It, it doesn't feel right. But when you start doing it, you start realizing not only does it feel good for you to tell them that, it makes that other person feel good to know 
that they're appreciated and their hard work is paying off and those types of things. So um, those would be the three things I would leave as far as a leadership uh, standpoint of, of nuggets to lead. And the other things I'd like to lead um, is just a few things. I would like to tell the world, since I'm on the Drawscast podcast, uh, internationally known now, yes. That's right, 41 countries, my friend. 41 countries, France. Make sure you tell Jeff uh, where, what city you're in. Um, but a couple things is, you know, I'm at the grocery store, Jeff. And yeah. There's so many carts just flying around, filling up parking spots. One of my biggest pet peeves, I'm going to give you three of my biggest pet peeves here today. You will hear these. One of my biggest pet peeves is when somebody does not put their shopping cart away. You use the shopping cart. There are shopping cart racks for you to put your carts back. Please put your carts back into the rack for the shopping carts. That was number one. Number two, (laughs) there's an exit and there's an entrance to most places to go shopping at. Please make sure when you're walking in to the uh, Walmart, Meyer, Target, that you go through the entrance sign, not the exit sign. That would be my second biggest pet peeve. And my third pet peeve is reversing into a parking spot when you have people behind you. If you want to do that when there's nobody around, that's perfectly fine. Your car is very cool. We all know. Uh, But please uh, refrain from backing into a parking spot when there are people behind you waiting to get forward and move to the next parking spot available. So I'd like to leave you with three pieces of leadership and three of my biggest pet peeves for you today here on the Drawscast podcast. Yes, and uh, your pet peeves are all retail-oriented. So I can tell (laughs) you you shop and uh, you have to – Navigate through your pet peeves all the time when you go to your uh, friendly neighborhood Walmart or so. But uh, good stuff. Uh, so that's going to do it for today. Uh, I'd like to thank Aaron, Aaron Primo, for being my guest, giving us plenty of great nuggets to think about and to uh, take home, so to speak. Right, but before we do, don't forget my website, draztalks.com. It is under construction. It is getting a brand new facelift. So I hope you enjoy it when it's ready. To, uh, my email address, jeffdrastalks.com. We can talk about my keynotes. And lastly, don't forget about my most recent lead one golden nugget at a time a compilation of amazing quotes, some from myself, uh, actually a couple from Aaron, our guest, and um, and about 140 other quotes, some funny, some serious, but all leadership-oriented. So with that, take care. Bye for now. You have been listening to the Drawscast Podcast. Inspiration, motivation, and leadership with an attitude. Be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and head over to his YouTube channel, The Draws, and do the same. Want more? Go to drawstalks.com for more great information and to find out how to book Draws for your next event. And check out Draws' latest book, Leadership, One Golden Nugget at a Time. Tune in next time for more.
of the Drawscast Podcast. Podcast.